0: Hey, sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Join the Girl Goodnight gang. You can find us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All links will be in the episode description. Complete the form linked in our bio to be featured on the show, and share your thoughts and opinions in the Girl Good Nightland Facebook group. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girls, share the show and show us some love with the five star rating and review. Our journals make the perfect addition to the show. View them and all of our merch on Etsy. Link in description. Tonight we'll be reading "O" oh, written by author Camille. To learn more about author Camille. Check out the Blackberry series. All links to keep up with author Camille and shop her collection will be available in the episode description. His side of the story, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to hear none of the bull about settling down and getting married. That's not me, dog. And I already hear the thoughts stomping around in your mind. He's a typical man. So, so what if I want to spend my life doing what I want to do? I don't have any kids. Why tie myself to a family in the headache of being constantly available for every damn thing? Women want too much. They want you to take them everywhere you go, shower them with gifts and compliments, pay attention to everything they say, and like everything they like. The list just keeps going and it's exhausting because at the end of the day, men are only faking the funk and doing most of this stuff for sex. That's it. I said it. Threw my players card on the table like a big joker. Sex. That's all we want. Every man out there that's married just happened to get in the wrong bed and couldn't get out. He didn't want to stay. He got tricked. So be warned. If you plan on finding a happily ever after, he fell in love and they rolled off into the sunset in this book, you need to find another read. Fellas, holla at your boy. I'm representing in this one. (laughs) Ha, Lorenzo. Now, close your eyes. Take a deep breath in sleep in melanated peace. Prologue. I got my Dodge Charger in the wind. Zipping around in traffic, I shout, move, motherfucker, at a car that cuts in front of me at the light and then stomp on the gas. Checking the time on the dashboard, I grip my teeth. I'm late. Fuck. She hates when I'm late. Up ahead, I see the light turn from green to yellow. I'm too far away. I'm gonna have to run this one. Fuck. I shout, swerving around an oncoming truck as it almost T-bones me. Making a left on Nettleton, I wanted to slow down because I know I'm risking my alignment. Fuck it. Better good year than her. I knew better than to stay with Angel last night, but shit. I needed to bust a nut and she was down, like she always is. Now I'm running late and my back is shredded, thanks to her fucking fingernails. What do they call those claws these days anyway? I remember a time when a woman had long nails and they looked like nails. Now these hoes running around with claws in all shapes and lengths, painted all kind of crazy colors. I ain't gonna lie to you. When she first wrapped her hand around my dick, I got nervous. It looked scary as fuck. The whole time she was bobbing up and down, giving me that neck, I couldn't really enjoy myself. I was too worried she was gonna fuck around and let her hand slip, slice my shit open, and have me run into the ER for a damn tetanus shot. I held off as long as I could and played it off, pretending I couldn't wait to get in the pussy. Mistake. That shit was so loose and dry, I ran out of spit trying to keep her wet. How the hell does a woman have a loose, dry pussy? It was like taking a long stroll in the hot desert. I ended up spending the night because after all that work I put in keeping my dick hard, shit, I was tired. And the bitch thought she wore me out. I pull up to a screeching halt in front of the red brick house at the very end of the street and slam the car into park. I'm halfway out before it stops rolling good. Jogging up to the door, I see my perfect girl coming out. You late? Nanny snaps. Aw, shit. I'm in trouble now. I watch as Osceola Madison gives me a scowl. Now, I'm 6'5", 210 pounds of trained muscle, and my nanny is a little thing. She's 73 years old, 5'2", and weighs 110 pounds soaking wet. But you can bet your ass in the one next to you that I don't fuck around with her. Nanny used to send me to the hedge bush behind the house to pick my own rod of correction, and she knew how to use it too. On special occasions, she would braid three of them and wear my ass out. I never knew my mother, Marigold. She died giving birth to me, and I'm told my coward father took off not long after that. So my mother's mother raised me. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not scarred or damaged because of it. Don't get me wrong. It would have been great to have my parents in my life, but I had aunts and uncles who stood in the gap and played an instrumental part in my childhood. I'm cool. I had the strongest of foundations and I chose to build on that instead of becoming another sad statistic. Probably out with that fast tail gal. Nanny says, I want to shrink under her scorching gaze. Shit, for a minute, I'm feeling like I'm that seven-year-old boy who set the backyard on fire trying to burn an ant bed the way I'd seen my uncle Sonny boy do. I have to catch myself. Hell, I'm a grown-ass man. I open my mouth to demand, what girl? And I'm sorry I'm late, comes out. Uh Uh-huh. Nanny turns and walks away. She's dressed in an all-white suit complete with hat, purse, and shoes. She's carrying her Bible in one hand and a cane in the other that needs her more than she needs it. I have to sprint to the car to get the door open before she reaches it. Sticking out my hand, I take her elbow and help her inside. Nanny folds her hands on top of her purse, refusing once again to put on her seatbelt. According to her, she lived 50 years without one and never got killed, So why would she start wearing one now when she's more than ready to meet the Lord? What girl, Nanny? I ask. Close the door and let's go. The command is delivered without even looking at me because she knows I'm gonna do just what the fuck she said. I hurry around to the driver's side, jump in and peel off. Slow down! Nanny continues to fuss at me. Damn, is she gonna keep clowning me all day? I already called Pearl and Yulamay and them and told them you were running late because you was out all night fornicating. Nanny. My tone is part admonishing and part shock. Bad enough she's clowning me, but now she's clowning on me with her bingo buddies? She rolls her eyes and cracks. Where's the lie? I'm sure that's dialect she picked up from one of my teenage cousins. Nanny had nine children. Seven of them are still alive. My Uncle Dexter was killed in the Gulf War. It was dinner with an old friend. I slow the car down. "Uh Uh-huh. Nanny takes out her lace fan and moves it back and forth in front of her face, despite the air conditioner being on. You hot, Nanny? You want me to turn up the air? It's a sincere question, and she slams the fan down in her lap and bites my head off. You don't care nothing about what I want. Oh, shit. This is worse than I thought damn. I glance at the clock and realize we'll still make it before praise and worship ends. Of course I care about what you want. I'm trying to fix this. I can't have my perfect girl mad at me. Nanny lets out a long sigh and continues to stare straight ahead as if looking at me is too much of a chore. If you cared anything at all about what I wanted, you would find a nice girl and settle down. Have some cheering build a life and stop running around these streets with all these loose women i'm not gonna be here forever and it would be nice to go knowing you wouldn't be alone i'm biting the inside of my cheek i'm not in the mood for nanny's find a wife lecture this morning but i have better sense than to voice it maybe i should just play along you still have a hundred years with me i reach over and give her withered hand a gentle squeeze Pulling up in front of Miss Mae's house, I start to get out, but Nanny grips my hand and looks at me. You are a good man. You deserve a good woman, and I just want to see you happy. Nanny gives me a lopsided smile. And away from trouble sheets. She pats my cheek gently. Her warm, healing hand strokes my beard. I'm still chuckling when I reach Miss Mae's front door. According to Nanny, men fornicate with loose women in trouble sheets. Ms. Eula May is a 69-year-old hypochondriac who loves to complain about all her fake-ass ailments and illnesses. I can't stand her old ass. This nosy bitch got me more ass-whoopings as a kid than I care to count. She was always on the phone telling nanny some shit about me. Most of it was true, but still. Ms. Eula May uses a walker and I walk beside her to the car, making sure she doesn't trip and fall. Her mean ass is slow as Christmas and I check my watch impatiently. I should push her ass down for all the shit she stirred up in our family. But right now, I want to throw her over my shoulder and run to the car. She's wasting valuable seconds. Next up in the Sunday carpool is my favorite, Miss Pearl. Growing up, Miss Pearl was instrumental in forming my vocabulary. She curses. A lot. And no one ever knows what's going to come out of her mouth next. Hey, handsome! Hey, handsome! Miss Pearl greets me as she steps onto her wide porch and pulls the door closed behind her she turns the key to lock the deadbolt and takes my extended arm Miss Pearl lives on the rough side of town but trust me it's nothing she can't handle your grandma told me he was out with Angel last night she says turning up her nose as we stroll to the car arm in arm Miss Pearl is 63 and in great health I heard she had a few old heads sniffing around her but they better not let me catch them Yes, ma'am. We went to dinner. I watch her expression, eagerly awaiting her response. Mm Mm-hmm. She twists her lips and stares at me through her thick wire-rimmed glasses that are hanging on a pearl chain around her neck. It was just dinner with an old friend. I offer unnecessarily. The truth is, I just like provoking her. Boy, please. I'm old. I'm not dead. You better be careful out there. They got some shit now doctors can't cure. Shoulda kill you dead before you can get in to see the doc. And what you want with Angel nasty ass? You know that girl get pregnant if a man sneeze on her. Don't fuck around and catch a baby. That'll kill Osceola. I laugh out loud. Miss Pearl is a trip. Don't worry about me, Miss Pearl. I'm not trying to have no babies with these females. Hoes. Call them what they are. Hoes. When we reach the car, I open the door and help her in as she calls out a greeting to her friends. It doesn't take Nanny long to start her antics again, especially now that she has her backup. So, when you gonna bring home a nice lady for me to meet? She asks. I feel her eyes on the side of my head. The tension in the car is unbearable as both Miss Pearl and Miss Ulame get quiet and wait for my answer. I give them the same retort as always. Why do I need to find a nice young lady when I have the three of you? I tease and lean way over to smack a kiss on Nanny's withered cheek. Huh, Nanny? Why, Nanny? Oh, boy, gone! She exclaims, giggling like a schoolgirl as she swats at me with her fan. She enjoys my teasing as much as I enjoy teasing her. You need a wife. All my grandsons is married. And all of them got kids by other women they don't take care of, too but I don't see you bragging about that, Miss Eula How is man-man? I ask, knowing his ass is locked up on another possession charge. Fuck it. She want to talk about her dumbass grandsons? Let's talk. Oh, he doing okay, she says in a voice that drips with artificial sweetener. I watch her in the rearview mirror as she glances nervously out the window. Oh, I say. And just when she thinks I'm done talking, I add, I thought he was locked up on a drug charge. Nanny cringes next to me before shooting me a scolding look. Miss Eula May's head snaps around as her eyes challenge mine in the mirror. She squints, realizing she just walked right into my trap. Miss Pearl throws her head back and cackles loudly. You sure, right? I read about his ass in the newspaper. He had the drugs in Shaniko's car seat with his dumb ass. I can't hold back my laughter. Even Nanny's lips are twitching as she fights to keep a straight face. Miss Eulame turns to Miss Pearl on 10. Don't talk about my grandbaby. Ain't nobody bringing up the fact that Ray Charles' ass is getting divorced again. Her voice climbs with each syllable as she folds her arms with a satisfied smirk. Aw, hell. Miss Eulame normally doesn't curse, she must be really mad. I'm so busy watching them, I damn near run a red light. Ray Charles is a hoe Miss Pearl says in a matter of fact tone And pokes out her mouth That girl should have never married his ass Shit, I tried to tell her He do hoe shit This time Nanny loses it She snorts and tries to cover it with a cough Miss Eula May puffs up And turns her body away from Miss Pearl And I proceed through the green light You shouldn't speak that way About your family, Pearl Miss Eula May chastises her Uh Uh-huh, so what should I do? Lie? Tell Renzo, Oh, he doing okay. Like you? Miss Pearl has Miss Eula Mae's voice down to an art. It ain't nice to speak about your family like that. It ain't nice to try to get your little girl locked up by stashing your shit in her baby seat neither. But I see you ain't want to talk about that no more. Miss Pearl is giggling as she digs in her purse. Lord, I hope she didn't bring her gun you gotta be a special kind of dumb to try and get the baby arrested. I'm barely holding it together. Nanny has her whole hand over her mouth that's tears collecting her eyes. All right now, Pearl, damn, Miss Eula screeches. You gonna stop talking about my grandbaby or me and you gonna have some problems up in here. Miss Pearl turns her head toward Miss Eula and I'm actually afraid for the witch. Do they have a baby jail? Miss Pearl asks. Miss Eula May slams her hands down in her lap. Your ass is pushing it this morning, Pearl. Y'all cut it out, Nanny the Peacemaker snaps. Shit, I wanted to see the ass whooping Miss Pearl was about to deliver. Episode 2. We arrive at Shiloh Baptist Church a little after 11 o'clock. For a man who woke up smelling like day old pussy and Heineken, I didn't do too bad getting the Golden Girls to service. I escort Nanny up the center aisle to the front row like I do every Sunday. As the mother of the church, she sits in a place of honor. She's the oldest member and most revered. Next to her, Miss Pearl, Miss Eula Mae, and a few other silver haired ladies finish off the bench. I take a seat behind them, staying near in case one of them gets to bucking, I can be ready to lend the ushers a hand. Good morning, church. Reverend Leon Nichols shouts into the microphone from the pulpit and the congregation shouts it back oh come on he says smiling wildly I know you can do better than that the Lord woke you up this morning and started you on your way it's a blessing to be in his house I said good morning church he fans a towel out towards us as everyone but me shouts it back man fuck that nigga We are so happy to see all of our lovely mothers on the mother's board here this morning. He continues as he smiles down at his honorary cheerleaders. I'm going to ask Mother Osceola to come on up and lead us in praise and worship. Nanny makes a show of standing up and smiling as she smooths down her skirt. My grandmother can sing the roof off. As a kid, it was one of the few things I really enjoyed at church. That and watching people catch the Holy Ghost. Nanny goes up to the podium and takes the microphone down. Unable to resist, I sit up straighter and smile at her. Giving all honor and praises to God, who is the head of my life. To Pastor Nichols, First Lady Nichols, the Deacon Board, our Missionary President Evangelist Winfrey, trustees, family, friends, and visitors. Good morning, Nanny says, smiling radiantly, and everyone speaks in response. It is indeed a blessing to be back in the house of the Lord. There is a chorus of amen and yes, Lord, from the pews. When I was in my word last night, I was reading about Noah and the rainbow. Nanny smiles again as she walks over to the piano and places her hand on it. And do you know what the spirit gave me? The spirit told me that even in our darkest hour, when all hope seems lost, she pauses and shakes her head back and forth. The Lord always sends us a sign to let us know that storm clouds and dark skies don't last always. People are clapping and a few of them have gotten to their feet in preparation of what they know is coming. I tell you, it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. You better get ready and bear in mind. God showed Noah. He showed him the rainbow sign. He said it won't be water, but fire next time. Nanny's voice is crystal clear as her beautiful alto reverberates throughout the speaker system. I'm on my feet clapping before I realize it. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. She's really getting into it now. Holding the notes longer, reaching out with her free hand as the other grips the microphone. The pastor is walking the pulpit and smiling. The other congregants have joined in the chorus, me included. Don't be surprised, I was raised in this church. As a kid, I was forced to go every time Nanny did. And Nanny went every time the doors opened. Not just regular 11 o'clock service on Sunday. No, Nanny never missed Sunday school, Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, Tuesday evening mission meeting, special days like Women's Day, Men's Day, Youth Day, Pastor's Anniversary, District meeting on Fifth Sunday. Look, I was in church more than I was in school. I was in my early 20s when I stopped coming and even then she constantly stayed on my ass about it. When Nanny stopped driving, I started coming again. There was no need for her to find a ride. She's got me. Sing, somebody shouts. Miss Ulamay jumps up, Walker forgotten and shouts, yeah, holding her head all the way back in a Tina Turner rolling on the river move. Nanny has us all mesmerized. The music picks up perfectly, and the sound of the drums really gets the crowd going. The rest of the service is pretty uneventful. While Nichols preaches some dry-ass sermon that's probably a book he bought at the Bible bookstore downtown, his wife steals glances at me. Oh, you think I didn't? Shit, yes I did. But it's not like you think. Harmony and I go way back. Everybody thought we would end up together, but fate had a different idea. After dating on and off throughout high school, the shit just faded to black. I can't lie. I loved her as much as my little teenage heart and dick could. I was her first and I think old boy knows it. Why else do you think he's giving me that fucked up look? Check him out. He's winding down now, dragging out his words and showboating. I'm not impressed. He knows it too. The next time he looks at me, I yawn. Big fuck him. After service, I head to the front of the sanctuary. I escort Nanny in, but trust me, I'm not hanging around waiting to escort her out. She likes to spend time with her friends, laughing and talking about whatever old girls talk about. I normally chill in the parking lot by the car and chop it up with the other men my age. Lorenzo! Sister Patty. Fuck. She always trying to fix me up with her slow-ass great-granddaughter. Don't nobody want to date that hoe? She's used up, ran through, man. She got more miles on her than a mail truck. She's been passed around all the homies several times. I don't want her. I slow my steps anyway. It would be rude to make a run for it as much as I would like to. Hey, Sister Patty, how are you? I greet her with a hug and notice that Letitia's ass is lurking nearby, smiling at us. She offers me a small wave and I jerk my head up to speak. I don't know what the fuck she's grinning at. Her grandfather, God rest his poor soul, could come back from the grave and ask me to take her out, and the answer would still be not no, but hell no. My Tisha made a dressing last night, and I was just thinking, you should come on over for Sunday dinner. You've got to be kidding me. Everybody up in here knows that on Sundays, I take my girls out to eat at their favorite restaurant, Cracker Barrel. Besides, Who the fuck eating dressing this time of year? It's too hot. Letitia's trying to kill somebody. No, thank you, Sister Patty. I'm taking Nanny and her friends to dinner. I school my features to look apologetic. Oh, Sister Patty tries to look disappointed. We both on that fuckery only moments after leaving church. Her disheartenment doesn't last long, and I see that she's scheming. She was prepared for my answer, and I walked right into the matchmaker trap which can only mean, well, maybe we'll just join you. It'd be good for you and Tisha to spend some time together. She leans toward me and says behind her hand in a conspiratorial tone, she's got a little crush on you and I think she's hoping you'll ask her out. Now, she just passed me the ball. It's in my hands and I can either A. Tell her, hell no, I don't want her slutty granddaughter. B. Pretend that I have a girl and let her down easy or, C, play along and not hurt her feelings. When I look up, Nanny is headed my way with Miss Pearl and Miss Yulemae close behind. Looks like, D, none of the above. Well, hey there, Sister Patty, Nanny says. The two women hug each other. Sister Patty smiles tightly, not appreciating the interruption. I was just telling Lorenzo that me and Tisha might join y'all for dinner. I cut my eyes at Nanny, silently pleading with her to help me. Miss Pearl Harumps and Miss Eula glances over at Letitia and gives her a stank face. Did I mention the old hag doesn't like anybody? At all. I'm not special, just one of many. Oh no, Nanny says in a sad tone as she shakes her head back and forth. Shit. Me and Sister Patty could both learn a thing or two from her. I'm looking at her intensely, trying to figure out if she's for real. I barely get to see my baby anymore. Sunday dinners are the only time I actually get to sit down and talk with him, she laughs. An old woman like me can't compete with Letitia's charms. She's gonna have to get her own date. I'm not sharing mine. Nanny smiles big. But it was nice to see y'all. You coming to Usherboard Thursday? Sister Patty is still in shock as she nods and glances at Letitia, who sees the plan didn't come together. Nanny turns and gives me a little wink that Sister Patty can't see. She pats my arm. Wow, this woman never ceases to amaze me. I say my goodbyes to Sister Patty and make a quick escape to the car so I can turn it on and cool it off for them and head back to help Miss Eulame. It's not necessary, but I know she'll stand at the front of the church and wait until I do or until Nanny sends me. Hey, stranger. I hear Harmony's voice calling to me from the other side of the parking lot. I should keep walking and stop lusting after this married woman who used to be my girl. But I swear she got some kind of pull on me. What's up? I ask, letting my eyes roam over her when she reaches me. She's looking good as fuck, too. I see Nanny watching us closely from where she's still standing with Sister Patty. So, I don't even get a hug? Harmony makes it sound like a joke, smiling, with one hand on her hip. But I know she's serious. My eye catches the little dimple in her chin I always loved. She's a lot shorter than me, and the years and that nigga's kids have blessed her in all the right spots. Those wiry legs rounded out to thick hips and thighs. She's got ass for days and her flat chest grew breasts that could make my damn mouth water. She's a golden brown color all over and I do mean all over. My bad. I hug her. Not that quick polite church hug but that squeeze her and let her feel my strength hug. Damn, she smells good as fuck. I can't believe you. Harmony laughed, shaking her head. Did she hear about Angel? What? What's up? I'm sure my voice sounds guilty. Shit. I know we aren't together anymore, but considering Angel was the straw that broke the camel's back for us, I don't know how Harmony is feeling. Women are crazy as fuck. I saw my homeboy get his ass mollywhopped by a girl he used to date because he married a woman he cheated on her with and the shit was years after the fact. You weren't even gonna say hello? Why the fuck is she acting like she don't see me every Sunday? Like I didn't just speak to her last week. Is she trying to fuck? Yeah, she trying to fuck. My bad. I'm just trying to feed my lady so I can get back home. I lick my lips as my eyes dip down to her breasts. Uh, it's a nervous sound more than a word and she shifts her weight. But I don't lift my eyes. I want to laugh out loud. Yeah, she still got it bad for your boy. We ready, Nanny says in a clip tone and stay on her good side today for shit. Well, duty calls. I say to Harmony and give her a wink before turning away. Our first lady sure did look nice today, Nanny says after we're all loaded in the car and headed toward the restaurant. I give Nanny a side eye. This is a setup. I'd be damned if I get caught in it. That's a married woman, I say carefully. I'm glad you realized that. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Episode 4. As soon as I get to my office the next morning, I pull out my checkbook and start writing out the checks to cover Nanny's bills. I would have taken care of it Sunday night, but Angel had a nigga hemmed up. What's good, Valentino? Mitchell, my partner, takes a seat at his desk next to mine. Mitchell is the coolest white boy I've ever met. We were partnered up at the Little Rock Police Department as homicide detectives a little over three years ago, advancing from patrol. I didn't know much about him before then, but we clicked. Right now, we hold a record for most cases solved, and it's something we're proud of. Mitchell is married and has three kids and one on the way. I don't know how he does it, but I have the utmost respect for him and the way he loves and cares for his family. What's up, man? I ask and take a sip of my lukewarm coffee. He snatches up the newspaper that's laying on the corner of my desk and flips it open. How's Nanny? She's doing good. She asked about you yesterday. I rip off a check and stuff it in an envelope with the bill. I'm old school. I don't pay shit online. I like to pull up, look somebody in the face when I pay my shit. Yeah, I need to get by there and see her. Mitchell yawns loudly. I look up at him and notice dude has bags under his eyes. You good? Yeah. He drops the paper back on the desk. He shut me up all night. He gives me a sly smile. I shake my head and chuckle. Did I mention Mitchell's wife is a sister? Yeah, Keisha. Keisha. And let me tell you, he got a good one. She's fine as hell, works full-time as a newspaper editor, runs her household, takes care of the kids, and caters to him like he's a king. They don't make too many women like that these days. That's that old-school love Nanny had with Big Daddy. These women today want one thing, money. That's it. No money, no honey. Damn, man. I say, still laughing. Still laughing. I don't know what it is, but when she's pregnant, she just can't get enough. He laughs as he wipes his hand across his mouth and smooths down his mustache. And a pregnant pussy is a motherfucking one. I'm looking at him like he needs to shut up. Yeah, we cool and shit, but I look at Keisha like a sister. I don't want to think about her pussy. Shit, he shouldn't want me to think about her pussy. Come on, man. I don't need to know all that. I say frowning as I return my attention back to the task at hand. Mitchell stands up and stretches. I'm gonna grab some coffee. Top you off? Nah, man, I'm good. Cap wants to see us in his office in a few. Mitchell frowns. Yeah, I got the email. What's up? Shit, your guess is good as mine. I shrug. Captain Schultz is an asshole who doesn't just like being in charge. The motherfucker loves it. That's only one of the many reasons I don't like or respect him. I can't. He hadn't come up in the force the way we had. Mitchell and I had started at the bottom, worked the streets, and earned our stripes. We had studied our asses off and trained even harder to pass a detective's exam. But Schultz knew the right people and skipped the line. He went from wanting to be a cop to being a captain, a terrible captain. The motherfucker was clueless, supervising people whose job he couldn't do. My phone rings and I glance at the name on the screen. What's up? I answer with a shit-eating grin on my face. Hey, love. You at work? Monica's voice makes my dick hard. It's the sexiest I've ever heard. Yeah. Tossing down my pen, I lean back in my chair, giving her my undivided attention. So, when you coming through? Monica is married. But shit. That's his problem, not mine. I don't want to date her. Don't want to love her. Damn sure don't want to wife her. I just want to play in her goods. When you want me to. I'm biting my lip, hoping she's free today. After the epic fell with Angel, I could use a boost. And what better than Monica's luscious ass bent over my front seat spread wide? She loves anal. Her husband won't do it, Says the shit is gay. Oh well, more for me. A day. I don't have to pick the kids up until three, and Pilates is over around noon. I'll through about one. I can't wait. See you then. We hang up, and suddenly I'm in a better mood. I fly through the rest of Nanny's bills and head to the fuck face captain's office to find out what the hell he wants with me. I hope he ain't on no bullshit. Have a seat, guys, Schultz says after purposely leaving us at the door for a few minutes longer than polite. His dumbass likes to assert his alleged authority. Just open the fucking door so we can get this over with. Damn. Mitch and I take a seat in the hard black leather chairs across from his desk. They're expensive and meant to give off the idea of luxury. But who is he fooling? Only he thinks his position is important. The rest of us know our jobs. His leadership is unnecessary. So it looks like we have a problem. A problem. A problem. Schultz is in his mid to late 50s, balding on top with a wide middle. His stomach hangs over his two small pants and he's prone to repeating himself. He laces his midi fingers on top of his desk and looks at each one of us in the eye. I'm not saying shit. Who the fuck is we? Because I don't have any problems. Not unless this meeting runs past one o'clock. It seems we had a body come in tagged as a suicide. It was processed and sent off to the morgue. The coroner now tells me that it's not a suicide, it's a murder, a murder. Mitch and I exchange a look. Somebody fucked up big time. A murder, Mitch asked. How long ago on the bag and tag? Almost a month, a month. Schultz knows this is not good news for any type of investigation. The trail, if there was one, has gone cold and the evidence that could have been collected is undoubtedly non-existent now. I groan and sit back heavily. Right. I need you guys to go down to the coroner's office and see what you can find out. Then follow up with all the witnesses and scope out the crime scene. I don't think there will be much, but we might get lucky. Get lucky. He just ruined my plans for the afternoon. Sure thing, boss. Mitch enjoys calling Schultz boss because he likes the way the other man's eyes light up. He thinks this shit is hilarious, annoys the fuck out of me. I give Mitch a disgusted look as soon as the door closes behind us. What's up? I'm supposed to be Monica at one. He checks the time on his phone. Let's go see the coroner and I can visit the crime scene while you have your lunch date and then we can meet up and do interviews. My man. We dab and head toward the elevator. I arrive at Monica's a little after one. I don't bother jumping out or blowing the horn. As soon as I pull up, she comes floating out, dressed in a mini sundress and some sky high heels that make her ass sit up nice. She has her short hair styled in curls, which is good because I like to pull it when I'm digging her ass out from the back. She slides in the passenger seat. Hey, baby. Her voice caresses me as I reach over and rub my hand up her thigh. What's up, baby? Her leg trembles in eagerness as I punch the gas and head toward our secret little spot. As soon as we're out of her neighborhood, she reaches over and unzips my pants, pulls my man out, and goes to work. Wrapping her thick red lips around my tool, she takes me deep once, then spits all over my shit. Hey, don't get shit on my pants, I warn. Her mouth is full, so I don't expect a reply. I grab a handful of her hair and push her head down further, forcing her to take more of me. She gags a little, but it's cool because I know she likes that shit. I set the pace, slow and steady, up and down, feeding her my shit. Oh, boy must be some kind of lame because she gets a thrill from a man taking charge. Shit. I readjust my large frame so she can go a little deeper as we make it to our destination. Letting my seat back, I lick my fingers and plunge them under her dress into her wetness. She's ready. Come on, ride this dick. I smack her thigh hard. I want you to eat my pussy. She moans, licking me like a lollipop. Whoa, this is new. I ain't got time for that shit. I gotta get back to work. I pull her up by her hair, grab her by the waist, and lift her above me. Open that shit up. I nod toward the console. She knows where I keep my condoms. She opens it and balances herself on her knees while I strap up. In no time, she's lowering herself down on my third leg. I'm hard as hell and slick as shit after that knob job she just gave me, and I slide right in. Hey, I pull out. I didn't drive all the way out here for pussy. I could have got that shit around the corner from the office. Put it where I want it. Monica makes an aggravated sound and puts me against her back door. That's what I'm talking about. Damn, she tight as hell. That husband of hers does not know what he's missing. This bitch's asshole has super suction. Play with your pussy. My hands are still on her waist, lifting her up and bringing her down. She plunges two fingers inside of herself and her head rolls back as a deep moan travels from her throat. Yes, love. Right there. Uh Uh-huh. I'm smiling while increasing my pace I glance at the clock and see I need to leave in about 15 minutes to get her back home and make it to meet Mitch So I slow down a little When Monica's cell phone rings, she tenses She knows the ringtone, so do I It's her husband I watch as she reaches for her purse and takes out her phone Tucking it under her ear and putting her hand on my chest She tries to stop me from moving as she answers the call I try to remove her motherfucking colon. This bitch must be crazy answering the fucking phone while she's on my dick. The disrespect. I slam into her so hard, the phone flies out of her hand, hits the passenger door, and bounces down to the floorboard. You think I slow down? Shit, I wish the fuck I would. I'm slamming into her so hard, the slaps echo in the car, and she wants to fight that nut. I see it in those begging-ass eyes she gives me. But she still got two fingers in her pussy and can't stop what's already happening. Please, she whispers, biting her lips together. Please? Please what? And what the fuck is up with the whispering? Oh, okay. I grind my hips against her so hard she audibly sucks in air that comes back out a long wheeze. Trying to be quiet? Not today. She explodes. Her cum squeals fill the air. Two more pumps and a grunt and I'm done. For good. I don't need to see her ass again. Not after this little stunt. Pushing off me, she falls into the passenger seat, snatching wet wipes out of my console to clean herself as she struggles to grab the phone. Because she knows she better not get any pussy juice on my fucking seat. Finally, she gets it. She gasps loudly. He's still there and somehow she must have hit the FaceTime button because that nigga is looking right at her. Ooh, shit. Busted. I trash the used condom, clean myself up, fix my clothes, and head to her house to drop her off while she cries on the phone. On the outside, I'm cool. On the inside, I know I'm gonna have to knock this motherfucker out when we get there. Sure enough, when we pull up to her house, he's standing in the driveway. He throws his phone to the ground and storms toward my car. Can you take me to my sister's house, please? Monica is shaking as she looks at me with teary eyes. Nah, I gotta get back to work. Bitch, get your ass the fuck out. Now he's snatching on my door handle. A, tell that nigga stop snatching my shit. Please, love, I can't get out here. Fuck up out my car before. I jump out the car and storm around the side as she drags herself out. Ay, keep your hands off my car. Your hands off my wife, touche, nigga. James, don't. Monica is screaming at him, and unfortunately for him, he ain't listening. Old boy reaches back to slap her, and I grab his arm. Shit, I'm still on duty. Don't do that, man. He snatches away from me, rage in his eyes, and cocks one back. Fuck. I let him have it, turning my head slightly to the side so he gets more cheek and not my nose. After I absorbed the punch, I cold cock his ass and knock him out with that one hit of quitta. Oh my God, oh my God. Monica is hysterical, frozen from shock. Only her vocal cords moving. Her voice isn't so sexy now. Reaching around Monica, I close my passenger door and run my hand over it, checking for damage. Finding none, I hop behind the wheel and pull off to meet Mitch. I'm gonna miss her ass, literally. Episode 6. My phone wakes me up out of a good sleep. Who the hell calling me this early on a Saturday morning anyway? I glance to my left out of habit, checking for a bed partner. I'm alone. I see Miss Yulame's number on the screen and I jump up, almost dropping the phone as I rush to answer the call. Something could be wrong with Nanny since this one never calls me. Hello, Miss Yulame? My voice is super deep and gravely from sleep. You better get down here now. Miss Eula May is screaming on the phone over the shouting in the background. I can't make out anything, but I hear Miss Pearl's voice screeching. She sounds pissed. What's going on? Where are you? I demand more forcefully than I intended. We're at the corner of Markham and Rodney Parham, she says. Shut up, Pearl. Oziola, tell her to shut up. I can't even hear Renzo. I'm throwing my clothes on, stumbling and fumbling around, still half drunk with sleep, looking for my keys and wallet. What's going on? Pearl about to get us all locked up, Miss Eula says. I gotta go. Punkin just got here. Punkin? She called her daughter before me? What the fuck can Pumpkin do other than have babies? I'm on my way. I hang up the phone and trip, running out the house before I remember I don't have on any shoes. Fuck. I go inside, throw on my shoes, and race to my car. It takes me 15 minutes to get from my house to their location. I see them long before I reach them. Fire trucks, ambulances, and police cars have blocked off the entire intersection. And in the middle of all the chaos, Nanny, Miss Pearl, and Miss Eula Mae. I have to park my car on the side of the road and jog down the street to reach them. All I hear are blaring horns and angry drivers. What's going on, officer? I flashed my badge. Thankfully, I remembered it. This is my grandmother and her friends. I nod toward my girls. I'll tell you just what the fuck is going on, Renzo. Miss Pearl's little brown face is scrunched up so tight, I frowned too. That motherfucker over there cut us off at the light. It's during this time I noticed Miss Ulamay's 2000 Buick LaCrosse is caved in on the right-hand side and the front passenger window is broken. Across the street in the parking lot a Blue Tahoe is the mirror image on the driver's side. Ma'am, the officer says, holding up his hand in an attempt to get Miss Pearl to calm down. Which, of course, only makes things worse. You cannot de-escalate a black woman like that. What's wrong with youngin'? Don't you damn ma'am me, little boy. Aw, hell. His face is turning fire engine red, and I know he's about to get embarrassed. Shit, I've been there. I know the kind of pain these three can inflict. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Tell me what happened, Miss Pearl. I say softly, holding my hands out to her palms up. The officer gives me a grateful glance. He knows I saved his ass. So, me and Osceola decide to run to price save and grab some of the half-priced turkey necks this morning. Ms. Eula May starts before Miss Pearl can even open her mouth. Wait, what? How the fuck did we get from red cars to turkey necks? They only have them that price for a little while early in the morning. Nanny offers by no way of assistance. I think it's to get people to come in and shop early. I think so too. Miss Pearl said, nodding in agreement. Mm hmm. That's Miss Eulame. The driver of the Tahoe jumps in to explain his side. She rammed her car into mine when I didn't slow down and let her in the lane. He appears to be in his mid forties, balding, approximately five feet tall, three hundred pounds. Shit, I'm in cop mode dude is white short and fat and he's mad as hell whole face and neck had bypassed red and started to turn a burnt burgundy shut up Mr. Doughboy Pearl snaps and I cringe ain't nobody asked you shit now you listen here he says pointing his finger hey I shout my big voice booming over the crowd and causing everyone to freeze including the emergency personnel you better get your mu finger out her face I almost slipped up and cursed in front of nanny There are only a few things in this world that can make me lose myself and black the fuck out. Messing with my girls is the first thing on that list. Even Miss Eulame. I don't like her ass, but she's one of mine and I protect what's mine. Old boy lowers his hand and Miss Pearl gives him a little satisfied smirk as she crosses her arms. Can we move this to the parking lot over there and let traffic through? Another uniform asks. Cars are bumper to bumper. Some people have gotten out of their cars to observe the mayhem and others are recording with their cell phones. The officer looks to me and I take a deep breath and nod. I escort Nanny and her friends to the parking lot and move Miss Yulemae's car and mine. Say one more thing to me Porky pig and I'm going buddy buddy buddy. that's all folks and fry your fat ass on this damn hot lot. Miss Pearl is gripping her purse. try me. But I hope she doesn't have her gun who am i kidding i know she has her gun i just know she does she hardly leaves the house without it we're not gonna make the sale miss eula may says in a disgusted tone nanny checks her watch we might if they hurry up why does she look up at me like i can make this move faster probably won't be nothing left but what's been picked over nanny makes a disgusted face you sure right can we just trade insurance information and write our own reports? I asked the officer. I got to get these three away from here. That sounds like a good idea. I don't have no insurance on that car. I don't even drive no more. Leave it to Miss May to point out the obvious. None of them should be driving anymore. That's the problem with the whole situation. I took Nanny's keys years ago and sold her car. Miss Eula May has the old lacrosse, but barely moves it, and Miss Pearl doesn't have a car, but she can still drive. Who was driving? I asked, already knowing the answer. Me? Miss Pearl raises an eyebrow, daring me to say anything else, and like the little boy I will always be to her, I fold, shut my mouth, and leave it alone. I already know what happened. Yeah, he probably did cut them off. Miss Pearl, with her hot head and lead foot, raced around him, but sped up and wouldn't let them back in the lane, and she took it anyway, causing a crash. Now we're standing around arguing and screaming because they don't want to admit they were at fault. I can tell the way Nanny keeps avoiding eye contact with me that I'm right. Fuck my life. Miss Pearl throws her hands on her wide hips. Your fat ass do not need a driving license. She's still going in on the other driver. You could have killed us. I know you was probably late for breakfast, but that's not our fault. You know, he starts to say something, but after a quick glance at my expression, wises is up. I don't want to have to drag his ass across this pavement, but I will. Okay, ladies. I announce I haven't had enough of the foolishness. While he writes his statement out here, we're going to write ours over there. I point to the back end of the officer's vehicle. Let's go. I don't wait for them to agree. I put my hand under Miss Pearl's elbow, grab Nanny's hand, and nod for Miss Ulamay to lead the way. Thankfully, they agree, and we make our way over to the trunk of the patrol car where the officer hands me a form to complete. Episode 8 Something going on with Asia. Nanny mentions casually after we drop off Miss Pearl and Miss Ulamay. We just left Sunday dinner at Cracker Barrel, and I'm taking her home. Oh, yeah. The truth is, something is always going on with Asia but nanny only brings up things like this when she wants me to handle them she'll mention it and rest knowing I'll take care of it I've been calling her and calling her telling her to bring those babies by the house for over a week and I ain't seen them yet she's hot nanny doesn't play about her grands but those great grands oh she will show all the way out I'll give her a call and see what's going on no no don't do that I don't want her thinking I'm getting all up in her business. You know how your generation is with that. That's what her mouth says, but I'm looking at her. She's wringing her hands, her mouth is tight, and her eyes are fixed on the passenger window. She's worried, and I don't like it. Nanny is too old for my cousins to be putting her through shit like this. Reaching over, I put my hand on top of hers. I'll just do a little detective work, and I won't mention you at all. When she finally looks at me I wink at her So I just dropped Nanny off and I'm headed over to Asia's apartment to regulate Asia is my aunt Marine's youngest daughter and she's almost 10 years younger than me in her mid-twenties She's always been pretty attracting the wrong attention and causing her problems She's got some underlying daddy issues so she keeps picking the wrong men and having babies with all of them I don't bother knocking on the door when I get to her apartment I barge right in Her boyfriend, whose name I don't know and don't want to know, is sitting in the living room with not one, but two of his friends, and they're smoking a blunt. The air is filled with a thick cloud of smoke as they look at me shocked. None of these niggas got jobs. I look at them in disgust. Worthless, as Nanny would say. Just wasted space. Nigga, the fuck you supposed to be? The boyfriend demands. Walking up in my shit like you pay bills. Asia comes from the back with the baby on her hip and the other two little ones clinging to her legs. Her eyes swollen and her top lip is split. The sight nearly sends me into beast mode, but I keep the shit in check. Only my death stare at her gives away that I know what's going on. Rizzo! The two little ones rush over to me, screaming their version of my name, and I snatch them up and hug them tight, kissing cheeks. Even the baby is talking gibberish and waving his little fat hands at me, so I take him in my arms too and give him some hugs and kisses. What's up, y'all? I ask the kids, and they all start talking at once about ice cream, the swing at the park, some rain puddles, what happened on some TV show I never heard of, a broken crayon, and some more shit I don't understand. Especially not whatever the baby is saying as he drools all over the front of my dress shirt. His eyes tell me he is really trying to explain something. Oh, yeah. That's all I say, and all three of them start nodding. I need to talk to mommy's little friend right quick. Then I'll take y'all to get some chicken nuggets and fries. And sprite. the oldest is a sassy little girl that's so much like Asia, I throw my head back and laugh. And sprite. I agree and give them back to Asia. We get them dressed. We're going to go get some food. Renzo, she pleads. Now. My tone is clipped and I don't need to say more. She catches an attitude and disappears into the back bedroom and I hear the door close as I start rolling up my shirt sleeves. The fuck you want to talk about? I guess the little nigga didn't see the gun on my hip. I better show it to him. I rush across the room as I take my service pistol out of the holster and slam his ass from his comfy seated position on the couch to flat on his back on the floor. Open your motherfucking mouth. My voice comes out hard and quiet through gritted teeth. When he refuses to open up, I press the barrel down hard, causing his lips to part and force it into his throat. I'm only gonna, hey man. Wait, what? Is his little friend interrupting me? I snatch the gun out of dumbass's mouth and shoot his friend in the knee. The other friend, the one closest to the door, hauls ass while his buddy screams in pain. Shut the fuck up before you scare my little cousins. He presses both of his lips together as his hand grips his bloody wounded knee. Now, you sit the fuck up over there, shut your stupid ass up, and mind your motherfucking business. I put my gun barrel back in dude's mouth and pick up where I left off. You touch her again, it's gonna be closed casket. You understand me, bitch? He's trying to nod. Tears have gathered in his eyes and are now running out of the corners and down the sides of his face. I smell the stench of urine. I scared the piss out of him. I pull the gun out of his mouth and whip his ass across the face hard. He yelps in pain, quivering and crying. Now let him walk around with the fucked up features. I get off him and put my gun away. When we get back, this place better be cleaned up and you two bitch ass motherfuckers better be gone. I walk to the back to gather Asia and the kids and take them out to eat. I'm not worried about him and his friend. If he even spits in her direction, I'll put his ass in the river. I don't play about mine. Now, some of you fellas out there shaking your head, talking that rah-rah bullshit about not getting involved in your female family's business and all the while some nigga is whooping her ass and smiling in your face because he knows you won't do shit. That ain't me. Asia won't end up as a news alert on your cell phone because I let a motherfucker wreck her. That's not how I move. And don't think for a minute that this badge and gun makes a difference because I was knocking heads long before I got to them. Females need to be protected from lesser males. I'll die for mine. What about you? Are you still up? Girl, good night.